is Derek, 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 Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! Welcome to episode 342 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. I'm your host, Derek Diamond. Coming off of an absolutely incredible night this past Saturday at Blue Wahoo Stadium with the Gulf Coast Filmmaker Showcase, which of course, the main event of the entire evening was the premiere of my short film, The Feature. And hopefully you've all enjoyed these past few episodes of the show, looking back at the making of the film, you know, a behind the scenes look with the cast and crew. And it was an absolutely amazing night. This past Saturday, we had almost 100 people in attendance, which was mind-blowing to me. I was not expecting that at all. We had a huge surge in ticket sales the day before, and it was an amazing night. that One that I will absolutely never forget. So originally, we were going to have Daniel Carey on this week's podcast. But unfortunately, I had to reschedule my interview with him due to the fact that I've been battling a sinus infection off and on since the start of the year, and it started to come back in a more aggressive form early last week. And the day we were supposed to do the interview, I was starting to lose my voice. And rather than try and push through it and potentially lose my voice completely, we decided to reschedule and he'll be on the show, I believe, in two weeks. Uh, So that interview will still happen. But then I thought, what am I going to do for this week's show? I had absolutely nothing on the docket, and I've been so busy with prepping for the premiere that I didn't have time to do anything. But Jeremy Branch, who you've heard these past few weeks uh, filling in as guest host, came up with a really cool idea. Why don't we come on the podcast to do a like a postmortem or a review of of the night and talk about you know what went well, what didn't, and possibly future plans for more screenings for the feature. So he and Chad Sanders will be on this week's podcast, and we're just going to talk about the night overall. And it was really fun getting to you know look back at the evening now that we've had a couple of days to decompress and really think about what went well and what didn't. So hopefully you enjoy this look back at the premiere, but here is my conversation with Jeremy and Chad. So we're here with a special wrap-up episode about the feature. You've heard the last three episodes where we've talked with the cast and crew about the the behind-the-scenes of the film leading up to the premiere, which was this past Saturday. The premiere has happened. As I mentioned in the intro, it was an absolutely incredible night. And I've got two of the the big players of the premiere uh, to talk about it. You know, talk about maybe the reception of the film, uh, the attendance, and some of the other stuff that happened. First up, we have the MC from the evening's festivities, Mr. Jeremy Branch. How are you, my friend? What's up? Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm glad to be here. It's it's weird to not be hosting your show, Derek. <laughs> it got to that point where it was like, is it going to feel weird like taking back the reins of hosting my show? <laughs> it should have just been called the Jeremy Branch Experience at this point. <laughs> also joining us uh, once again is producer Chad Sanders. Chad, how are you, my friend? I'm good. 
Yeah, you you had a you had a late night. Yes, I we um we were celebrating. Yeah, you guys went to went to McGuire's and what you almost closed the place down. Um, that's uh, I mean long enough to like hear the musicians' last song, but I think they were still like another hour left in operation because they don't close until exactly two thirty. Like even if it's empty, it's way till two thirty. Oh, I always thought it yeah, was two. Yeah, a few of us. Uh, it's, I think it's two thirty. Um, but a few of us went there and hung out. Some people came by. Some people who couldn't make it to the premiere but wanted to like say ask us how it went and everything. And and then uh then I stayed at the bar with one or two friends after that. So yeah, it was it's good night. That that's Rough a morning. good that that's a good after party to the after party. So I would say so. So we got to start with this. You know, my, one of my biggest questions about the premiere was the attendance. Like how many people are going to, to buy tickets and show up? And leading up the week of, you know, I kept getting updates from, from Charles Houston from the Blue Wahoos, which huge shout out to him, by the way. He went above and beyond what I expected anyone to do as far as meeting us at the stadium, helping to set up, and he stayed you know, in the lounge while the premiere was going on and stayed until we all left. So huge shout out to Charles. If you listen to this, um, yeah, leading up to it, I was very curious about the attendance. And then he calls me the morning of, it says you guys sold 54 tickets. And I'm just like, what? 54. Yeah. And then including the comp tickets, we were going to have almost a yeah. hundred people in attendance. So, uh, Jeremy, how, how, how did you react to that as someone who's been, you know, learning more about the process of making this film and you emceed the, the event, how did you feel about seeing a crowd that big? So I thought about it a bit ahead of time and uh, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. Don't, don't get me wrong. I didn't mean to ever, ever discount what it was going to end up like, but it occurred to me, maybe Derek should have just comped all the tickets. Like maybe just open the door up get as many people in there as you possibly can to see the film. That way it gets a little bit of notoriety. People are encouraged to just come out there and filling the seats always looks good, right? Regardless if the tickets are sold or not, when you post the pictures to social media, people like to see a full room. So that said, realizing that you not only sold the place out, but then you also had all of these additional comp tickets, it was it was fantastic, man. I'm super proud of you. I think it, it turned out really good. I mean, the event essentially ran itself. It, it was so well managed. I know a lot of stuff went into making it happen ahead of time, but it's not like this was a wild group of people. Everybody was there to support the film, to be a part of, of that side of the process. And uh, it was just super smooth. I, I really enjoyed it. Got to meet some really nice people. Shout out to Charles. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever talked to him. He was super cool. Uh, lots of other people as well. Uh, a woman named Charlie Young, who is a fellow synthwave musician, which I thought that was weird to have two of us in the same place at the same time. It's kind of a niche thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just congratulations all the way around as far as that goes. I was I was I don't want to say I was shocked, but I was definitely impressed. Chad, same question. I have my hopes. Um, I thought between the comp tickets and just me harassing people I know and you harassing like your people you know, like your parents or something, you probably would have like at least a decent turnout. And if it didn't look like it was that big, well, then we'll just 
make the <laughs> make the everyone's social media look like it was big. <laughs> I mean, we're filmmakers, so like let's manipulate the camera. Um, but we when we got the final count, I was I mean it it went from like is anyone going to show up to okay do we have enough chairs do we need to move to a bigger venue do we need this this and that and we just like kept our heads down and set up chairs and uh went really well yeah and and i will say that there was a, a possibility of moving the event the day of but you know, Chad and I talked about it and we both agreed that it was too late in the process to really do that because you, it's impossible to get that message out to that many people when you don't have their contact information. Had it been yeah. like Tuesday or Wednesday, then I'd be more inclined to say, Hey, let's potentially figure something else out. But in walking through the event, you know, I think it was in December or November when we went to the stadium and mapped everything out we had planned mm -hmm. to have a capacity of 85 when it surpassed that we were like okay if we see this this number of people there's not going to be that many people standing and at the end of the day there were only what four or five of us standing three of us on this podcast that that were yeah standing so it, i think it, it worked out perfectly yeah yeah i uh, I, I feel like uh I wanted to ask y'all before uh, we started recording, I've been watching Ted Lasso lately and I've got to say that the vibe, like it transitioned nicely. I don't know if everybody listening uh, is aware of where the venue was, but it's inside the Wahoo stadium and you, we walk in like the entrance is the same place that the players take the field. Is that right? Yeah. Like the kind of corridor. And then off to the right of that is it was essentially a locker room, but it was done up with a really good sound system. You had a good projector screen in there. The image looked really good. The sound was good. But like my wife and I just now finished season two of that. And so when I walked in, I was like, oh, this is cool. I like this. <laughs> yeah, the, the Wahoos home locker room, it was renovated in 2020 um, right before and a little bit into the pandemic. Um, actually, no, I think they did wrap it up by the time the pandemic started, but it, it looks really nice. You know, has very clean carpet. It doesn't look at all like you would expect a baseball locker room to look like. It does not smell like balls either, which is totally. No. Oh, that's, that's an added bonus. Oh. <laughs> so when, when we were trying to think of a venue, that was one of the first places that I thought of after we went through, you know, some, we went through a few other local venues as well, but then I thought, well, I did work there for eight years, so maybe yeah. they'll, they'll let us use the venue. So thankfully they did. And, you know, huge props to them for, for allowing us to do it. But I, I think, you know, it, it, it absolutely went, like you said, Jeremy, about as smoothly as it could have. And how, how do you guys feel the, and Chad, we'll start with you. How do you feel like the, we'll start with the, the documentary. And there's a funny story about that that I hope you get into that we, we kind of had a little exchange after that. Um, how do you feel the reception for the documentary went? I think it went really well. Um, I, I had every intention of when the doc started to sneak out that back door and go ahead and get my food from Melt, which was killer, uh, and then just sit and eat while other people watch it. Um, and then it started, and I realized, like, you need to know how this plays. 
Um, having edited it, you're like the last person to check to make sure it works for the crowd. Um, and it went really well. All the funny parts were funny. People learned a lot. They got really interested in the movie that the Nightlings, um, that Mylon and Ray are, are in the process of still, still editing. Um, are you talking about the story about, I, I, about Mylon and what Mylon said that had a reaction in the crowd? You talking about that? So what happened was we showed the, the Nightlings documentary first. Oh, okay. That part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me, let me do both. Okay. Um, the, it was really interesting. At one point, Mylon in the interview in the doc said, uh, I just love post-apocalyptic horror sci-fi finding different ways for people to suffer and then make them go through. That's really interesting to me. I'm paraphrasing. That's kind of it. And the crowd laughed. And I said, I'm like, I didn't realize that was a joke until I saw this with a crowd. I thought that was just like, huh, kind of interesting take on that. Uh, and Ray started, during the Q&A, Ray's like, it's not a joke. And I'm like, no, 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 we'll debate it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the thing you're talking about that I don't like, it seemed like a stroke of genius if we had planned it, but it wasn't. It was complete serendipitous magic. It just, it was just something else making it happen. Um, not to get to spoiler territory, but it is in the first 10 seconds of, of the feature. Um, our main characters are having a conversation about a documentary they just watched about making a film and it inspires them to go make their own film. And we didn't realize we did that on purpose. We, it, it was really more like, well, I have this thing I edited that's pretty good and I would like to have people see it. It just got in the Pensacon. Do you want to try that? You know, it could have easily been something else, but it was just like, it, it's like, you don't even know you, uh, the thing you want to have happen is happening. So yeah, it's, it's like, as soon as the feature started, I heard you laughing and I'm like, what, what is so funny? And then you told me, I, and I'm I, like, Oh my God, that's just, <laughs> it couldn't have been planned any better. <laughs> I had to walk through the back hallway. So I wouldn't be loud. And Steve's like, what's going on? And I explained it and I just was like, I was doing this, which means I'm having like an epiphany moment. I was just you know, like, you ever get into like, like really excited about something You're like, I got it. I was like, this is the hand of God. I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was having a religious moment back there. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I'm, I was fortunate. It was great. Uh, Jeremy, same question. How, how do you feel about the, the see, like seeing and hearing the reaction for the Nightlings documentary? Uh, good edit, Chad. For sure. I, I do a bit of video editing as well. And uh, you get so, so for me, I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I will get so like into this, the tiniest little bits of, of footage, the, the smallest little lines of dialogue. And, and every once in a while, uh, things play so different in an audience that like I really related with what you just now said of like, is this a joke? I don't know. There's nobody around to like do a cue. Maybe I could recontextualize it with like a noise in the background <laughs> or something. So at least they thought it was a joke. I, I don't know. Um, but it, it played really well. You know what I mean? Like I thought it, it ended up uh, working really good. So I, I enjoyed it. You know, like we, Derek and myself are part of the, uh, I, I don't know, panel of judges for the Pentacon Short Film Festival which means we had to, uh, you know, trudge through 60 plus films on every end of the spectrum from, you know, just like fantastic stuff that looks like it was put out by a Hollywood studio 
to stuff that looks like it was shot on an old camera phone from 10 years ago and like I said and everything in between but as much as I liked uh those creatures out there I was wondering without the context of the nightlings how our audience is going to view this so I actually thought it was like really insightful to see that people responded well to the documentary without had having seen uh the the feature itself so like I thought that was interesting and it kind of makes me uh reassess what my initial thought was and that's that like nobody's going to care about this if they don't get that first and what's interesting about this project is it's kind of taken center stage and I you know I don't know if y'all know but uh I, I carry myself like I'm confident but like after I got home last night I was like man I really framed the conversation and the Q&A too much about the nightlings when the project at hand was those creatures out there. So uh, yeah, I, th I think it works really well on its own and the audience seemed to really enjoy it as well. So uh, I, I think it was cool. And then the, the meta-ness of this is a movie about making movies. This is a documentary about a movie being made. So uh, yeah, it was a cool double feature. And I had a feeling that it would play really well with audiences because a lot of people who were at the premiere are local filmmakers. Absolutely. And we're, we're all fans of movies and how they are made. And documentaries are one of the reasons that I got into filmmaking. Because once I found out about the process, it's like when DVDs started coming out and you had like the behind the scenes featurettes on like different characters or just the movie itself. Oh, yeah. And you see how the whole thing is made and you're like, that's really cool. Like, that's really fascinating. And I know a lot of other filmmakers are like that. Yeah. So I, I think that's why I, when Chad pitched the, the idea to me that it, it would play well with the audience. So let's get into the feature. Much like Chad said when he thought about running out to melt when those creatures out there started, I thought about doing the same as soon as I, I, I put a dramatic pause between the two movies by design. And then as soon as my logo popped up, I'm like, well, here we go. So, uh, Jeremy, we'll, we'll, we'll start with you. And then uh, after Chad, I'll get into my thoughts on it. But how, how do you feel like the feature played uh, to an it audience? Sucked. There Wouldn't we go. You yeah. stole my answer. Wouldn't it be messed up answer. if I can't? <laughs> no, it, it went, it's okay. So I'd seen the feature before. I saw it sans the music. It wasn't quite finished yet. And to be honest, it all came together beautifully. I think you mentioned that that Samantha or Sam had actually done the editing for it. Just a fantastic mm -hmm. job. A lot of the humor hit and like not just like polite chuckles or like the obligatory, you know, uh, studio audience clap kind of thing because the the cue lights come on like people organically were really enjoying it. And that was like a great I don't have the same. um the same amount on the line but hearing what you just now said i i can relate to that feeling of just like you kind of tense up like how is this going to go over and i imagine that by the time it was done for you you had to feel good about it because we all three of us and also steve were standing in the back we had this perfect vantage point we we were watching the audience as much as if not more than we were watching the movie uh, as i said we've already seen it in, in some iteration or another, but to be able to watch 
Well, I was like a super cool feeling. So I, I know how it was for me. And I just felt like, oh man, my buddy nailed this. So I imagine it had to feel really good for you. Chad, same question. Um, yeah, big shout out to like the filmmakers corner in the back. Because uh, like that's where I absolutely intended to stand. I had no intention of sitting anywhere. Um, and then Derek's like, yeah, no, it's, 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 we're also right by the door. I know. I just now realized in case things, Casey need to run. Just, case things went south. Yeah leave, the, <laughs> yeah. leave the car running. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, it's like, uh, me, you two, Steve, Shannon Williams was hanging back there too. He, I noticed Shannon was like leaning against the locker next to an empty seat. Like it was like William Renee empty seat. And he's like, nah, man, I got to hang out with the, with the guys in the back, that was cool. Um, I don't remember which one this was, I but I remember at one point I couldn't stop grinning. I was like so excited to like show this thing. Uh, uh, it could have been either or because I was stoked to show though. But at one point I was so excited, and then I tapped Derek on the shoulder, and he turns around, and I don't say anything. I just want him to. I just want him to see. Like just, <laughs> just the look on my face. I was just having a blast because it's scary. Because you know, um, I also have my logo on that thing. Uh, you know, uh, Derek's front and center as well. It should be in in every way. Um, but it's it the little bit of ownership I have. Uh, you're, it's also a responsibility. And oh uh, man, thank God we pulled it off. You know, because like it's it's fine. It's this makes everything totally worth it. This is this is great. All the all the freaking out on rescheduling things and this and that and then other stuff going on. We're just like doesn't matter. This was great. Yeah, it, all the the hardships, you know, with the rescheduling and days running long. It was all worth it in the end. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's like you said, Jeremy. I think Samantha did a, a fantastic job with having not edited anything in her life impressive she put together a short film because i told her i'm like my first thing was just videos of me and my friends goofing off and just somehow splicing it together to make something so what you did was something really worthwhile not to say that doing something with friends isn't worthwhile but as far as like a short film she did an uh, an absolutely incredible job and just in such a short amount of time too I knew once we got to the scene with Rob and Jace and hearing the reactions to that, I'm like, okay, this, this is a hit. Mm, and then yeah. hearing, you know, the, the moments that I thought would hit as far as humor goes all did, you know, Thomas's character was a huge hit. And I, I think, you know, all the characters were a hit as well because, and I mentioned this in the Q and a you did Jeremy, but I think there's so many aspects of the, of the feature that are relatable to people. The potentially quitting your job to follow your passion is something that I think we can all relate to at some point in our lives. The romantic portion of the story is something that most of us can relate to. Even if the relationships didn't work out and you're in a different one, everyone's kind of gone through that phase of like, would the friendship work better if it was more? Everybody's had that person that might come in and wreck your whole life. You know, everybody has that bad yeah. boss that they've worked for. So I think there's endless amounts of, of relatability in the feature. Let me ask you this, Derek. 
uh, because you said something that was telling last night. And uh, it, it was basically that you a lot of times want to have pretty tight reins as far as creative control. N n just because you want to doesn't mean that you always do. But did you feel a fear that Sam was going to like kill your darlings, that she was going to cut too much out, that that did you ever feel like, man, I need to go in there and make sure she's, you know, doing the parts that I want done? Or did you kind of just hands off and let her take care of it? It was really a hands off approach. And nice. I, what I liked about her editing the movie is if I had done it, I would have just done it the way I wanted to do it. But I think with editing, it's important to put a separate eye on the project. Yeah, and yes, yeah, she was involved with the pre-production and with the filming itself. But I think it was good because like, she has different tastes in movies and shows that I do. But what I thought she did was, you know, was honestly probably better than what, what I would have done as far as certain cuts and certain angles that she used and everything. So... I, I'm I was very proud of her for taking the initiative to to do that. But no, and it's like I mentioned in the Q&A, you know, as far as having control of everything. And I, I like to have open collaboration with people mm -hmm. you know, like I took ideas from Chad, took some from Steve and Kevin and others. As far as it's more of a logistics thing of where I'm like, I always feel like I have to jump in and take care of something. Mm. So the so the toughest part for me was letting that go like okay chad's gonna take care of this samantha's gonna sure. take care of that i don't have to worry about it because with the so parker central my... kind of control freak i am because I, I i literally i'm like nobody could edit my stuff as well as i could because i know what i'm trying to do and then lo and behold you pass it off to somebody and they're able to do it even better yeah and it, she would show the project to me you know in in certain stages like what do you think of this or you know does this work did i do this right and there, there were little suggestions that I would make, but for the most part, I didn't really change anything she did. Yeah, if you told me that Sam had been editing for five years, if you told me that this was her, you know, 10th project, I would have taken that at face value. Like, there is nothing about this project that says, oh, this is her first time editing. Like, she she came in and nailed it. I, I think that's really impressive. Well, and she's a very quick learner with most things. Like she, she's a she's a very observant <laughs> person. She she picks things up very fast. So that's it, it was surprising and also not surprising. You know, I told the story of she had the movie put together in two days. I was surprised, but at the same time, I was like, I'm also not because she's a very goal oriented person. So yeah, nice. I, I, I knew it was going to work. But um, one thing I did want to say, um, you mentioned the the music. You guys, you guys hadn't heard any of the score that uh, Emily Varley did. So, Jeremy, what what did you think of the score and how it added to the film? So, uh, you know, Pensacola is a a little big city. I get actually, it's just you know, it's it's a pretty moderately sized place. But I, I say that to say that I actually know Emily Varley a little bit. Uh, I, I know her husband. Uh, he works um, on pinball machines. He actually had a couple of pinball machines out of his place in Milton. So we went out there one night and hung out. He had this really cool Godzilla uh, pinball machine. And I met Emily that night. And so to see it kind of come back around and be like, oh, Emily Varley is the person scoring Derek's movie. I wonder what that's going to sound like. And I really like the style that she used. You know, there's a 
there's a bunch of different ways that people can approach scoring movies. And I think that she nailed the sound of the tone. I think that's the most important thing is uh, coming in with big sweeping strings and stuff wouldn't really make context in, or it wouldn't make sense in the context of this movie. So she used contemporary stuff with a good uh, rhythm section in it. And I thought it, it, it uh propelled the story along it kept the momentum going i it it's it, it was really effective it, it it synced up really nicely in the edit as well and um i i'm curious did she do it to the footage or did she send the music she did it to the footage so i sent her the same cut that i sent to you uh, to watch to to prep for the interviews and she synced it to the really cool to to the movie, and she would send me the tracks and say this starts at you know three forty five and should end at five thirty something. Mm, nice. She also did the the score for for the Parker Syndrome, so I was very curious to hear the differences because with the Parker Syndrome, it was a very it was kind of a depressing dramatic story. So there was a lot of piano and a lot of melancholy music. And I loved especially what she did with the opening track because I'm like, this sounds like it would be something I'd hear in a coffee shop. Yeah, hundred percent agreed. It was really cool. I liked um, I like how a lot of stuff would just start with a beat or end with a beat, and not to give anything away, but the last musical track with the final line of dialogue kind of it took it that last line from being like, oh, that's clever, and that's him sticking. That's him. That's the character doing what the character needs to be doing. The character has grown to can't move, dog. Like it was just like a fat beat over it, and I was 100%. like, "Hundred percent, all right, all right." Swagger to this. I, I liked it. The first time I saw it too, the music. It was crazy. She did a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it reminded me of a '90s movie without sounding like more. I don't know, more Scott. It was more like a contemporary '90s like vibe without sounding dated kind of just inspired by it because you were talking about Derek how like this this was inspired by a lot of Kevin Smith's type of relationship someone trying to do something with their life type of movies and the crazy thing is I didn't really give her any direction with the tracks you know she, oh, wow. she told me that she had a pretty clear vision of what she thought it would be and then she'd send me the tracks and like I don't I don't have any critiques they're they're great <laughs> and I will also give a shout out to um to Jeffrey Peacock and uh, Tommy House, who lent us one of their tracks uh, to use. So this is a mild spoiler, but I, I I have to tell it for the context of the song. So there's a climatic moment in the, in the movie where Matt and Katie have this huge argument and Matt storms out of the room. The crew and everyone look shocked, except for our good friend Doug, who's listening to metal music and using his uh, boom pole as a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so he's what you hear him listening to in his headphones is the song that that they supplied. So a uh, huge shout out to them. I've actually known Jeffrey for for a long time. We went to the same high school. Him and Samantha are good friends. So reached out to him and he was you know more than happy to to lend us the music. What was the conversation like? Hey, I want this song or hey, I need something heavy. Like what was the note? Did you just know what kind of music he did? Um, yeah, uh, like on a scale from like one to ten, how much did you want your face to melt off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was more of a thing where I I laid out the scene to him as far as 
how it went and then kind of described what I was envisioning in my head. And then he sent over, he sent over a track, I think back in August or September, but then a couple of days before the premiere, he's like, Hey, this, I think this will work better. And it did. And it did. So cool. Added, added it. And the music I've said this about a lot of films, especially I'll use John Carpenter's Halloween as an example. Good that example. movie would not be as good if it did not have that opening track. I think that's just a fact. Yep. The music adds so much. It can make or break scenes. And I think Emily's score and Jeffrey and Tommy's song made every scene that it's, that is featured. Yeah. So I, I was, I'm still kind of on a high from like we're recording this Sunday night. So we're, like just over 24 hours after the premiere, I'm still riding a high from it. I still can't believe the attendance, the reception. Um, I guess as we start to wrap up here, um, Jeremy, why don't we give your, uh, your your final overall thoughts of the evening? So uh, self-critique time. Let me spend the next five minutes self-loathing about the way that I handled the Q&A at the end. No, not like that. It's so weird though. Like I, I, I feel like I do pretty good and then afterwards, I think back and I'm like, I, uh, and it, it like, it eats at me, man. I don't know what that's about. But this, <laughs> so when I thought about it, I was like, I wish I wouldn't have pressed so hard about the nightlings side of things. That was a, so. Well, if, I still ahead. think you did a great job, though. Well, yeah. thank you. I yeah. do appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And the documentary is about making the movie. So that that's that's you know you're 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 in theme with the documentary itself too the documentary is supposed to inspire interest in the movie sure yeah and that's kind of how i read it so with the three of us you know i feel like we're in sync because we talked about it a couple times before like i feel like on on that end of things i think it went really well i don't think it, it didn't go well on on the other end of things but i was just thinking about like the way I approached it. Like, I, I hope that was okay with them. So if y'all are watching this, apologies about that. I, I think it was good, but I just wanted, I thought about it. Uh, but as far as the, the presentation, as far as like, there's certain things that are gonna just completely destroy an event like this. Bad audio, I think is probably number one. Uh, if you don't have a good sound system, it's it's just going to be rough. And I think that it was clear and it sounded fantastic regardless of where you were at in relation to the, the screen itself. So everywhere had good audio. I felt like the attendance was exceptional. Like we, we discussed at the beginning, that was like, that was a major thing. I'm sure it would have, and I'm sure you would have been gracious and excited if 10 people showed up, but I imagine it would have hit slightly different. And this just made it feel like a, like a win, like a triumph. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like the way that it turned out, it was at capacity. You couldn't have put more people in there. And these people just all had such a good reaction to it. We had a, a, a gathering after party uh, in the building after the screening itself. And Everybody was in there having a good time, uh, networking, mingling, talking about their love of the movies, talking about their love of these particular movies that were playing. So like, it was a cool experience. I'm glad I got to be a part of it. But most importantly for, for you guys, like I'm glad that it went well. And I hope that it encourages you to do 
I, I Chad, I think I heard you mention it last night. I, I hope it encourages you to do more screenings. And I, I, I obviously of the feature, if y'all got into the, uh, you know, into the realm of screening other movies or something like that. I just think it's really good for the community. So I, I think it was awesome. Can't wait to see what's next as far as all of that goes. And I'll, uh, I'll be there with bells on. Chad? Well, before I answer that, I'm going to ask you all a question. What was your favorite audience question? Mm. Yeah, because we, we had some good ones. It kind of just turned into a conversation with uh, a bunch of people at one point. Uh, Derek, do you have one? Um, I did like Chris Jadala's question about the most challenging moment, just because it, it inspired some some funny stories with, you know, like, and we've talked about it on the podcast, but with the phone ringing at New Yorker, people mm -hmm. trying to come in and things like that. So I, I think that inspired good interaction and then led to more questions. I liked when the dude asked how uh, each of us were going to suffer. I don't think I understood the question, but I liked how uh, Mylan tried to Caradine me to death. He straight up said he was gonna uh, choke me with uh, the mic cord, so I was like, "I'm into it." Uh, That's, might... uh, that was that was that was old T.S. Strickland. That's Terry Strickland. He's he's my best friend, and oh, he's, he's very uh, cool. he yeah, to, yeah, he's he great. To stir the pot. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> what was your favorite uh, question, Chad? I love when Renee asked Mylan is all the way in the back, standing next to Samantha. Uh, ask like so you're still editing the movie and he goes yeah we're still editing the movie and, and it's like well why don't you just get Derek's wife to do it that was really good and I was like that's that's a that's a good point that's a good question and it's also very funny it's a good joke um, too yeah yeah it's a it's a solid bit dude uh, um it's funny because overall, Samantha asked me yeah. afterwards she was like so who was that that asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Renee sitting there and I'm like oh Renee and Samantha must know each other they seem so close <laughs> I was like just like hanging out oh man um, what was the question I'm supposed to be answering uh, what was your favorite audience question oh uh, oh, uh, oh um, the, uh, first, the one I'm overall thoughts of the evening uh, overjoyed with how well it went um all the people who came, people in the local film community who I respect, respected what we did. Uh, my friends were able to make it, not all of them, but all those who could. Uh, my mom could come. You that was know, awesome. She, yeah. she, told, she called me today just to tell me how proud she was. Um, and it's not like she doesn't say that enough. She says that enough. She's a good mom. But it's just with this, it was really special because reading the script I was like, oh, Derek wrote a script about us, uh, about the people who quit their jobs to go make films or or just even do commercial work, just anything other than sitting at a desk or flipping burgers. Um, so just that and the fact that, you know, we didn't run out of anything. Everything worked. Everyone found it. You know, we had a great food. Um, we were in a cool place and just catching up. And uh I, we already have people kind of interested in the next one. There's people who like want to see it again or want to show other people. There's people who are asking about what we're doing next. 
like the next thing we're working on so they can see that. And uh, Derek, there's people asking about if I'll talk, we'll get in more details, but there's people asking about like, they want to be involved in the event the next time, like, like, like a, like a venue space or something along those lines. So it's, it's generating buzz. We're getting, we're starting to get buzz. We're starting to get buzz, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all you want. Yeah, and, I, and to go off on what Chad was saying, I, I try to go into things like this with really no expectation. That way I'm not extremely disappointed if it doesn't go the way I expected. But I was overjoyed. When the feature ended and I heard the reaction to it, it validated all the hard work. You know, all the time we put into planning, all the time we put into making the movie, it validated everything. So I, I could not have been happier with and it. I was just, you know, when we got home, I was just laying in bed and I was not tired at all. Like I was still so wired from the night. I'm just was thinking about how well it went. And I just, I couldn't sleep because of how excited I was. And it, it makes me want to do, and I know we we've lightly talked about it, but I definitely do want to do more screenings of the feature throughout the year maybe as early as say like late spring maybe do another one i'm probably going to start submitting it to festivals in february and we'll see what kind of buzz we can get from that but i i really do think and i know i'm biased but i think this movie can resonate with a lot of people let me ask you uh did you do any of the festival submissions with uh the parker syndrome mm-hmm so you know how to go about this process and you said you're going to start probably in the springtime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In f February or March. Oh, okay. Okay. So like once you get on the other side of this and I don't even know what that timetable looks like, is there a point in time where you decide to like, Hey, I'm going to package this and sell it off of a website. Have you considered uploading it to YouTube straight? Do you have a, a plan for like making it a, excuse me, available to the mass at, uh, at some point? My plan as of now is to have it run through the festival circuit for probably a year, mm. maybe like early 2024. And then once that's done, um, post it to YouTube. I am open to other ideas. If anyone wants to throw any out there, you know, I'm, I'm always listening for new ideas, but sure. um, that, that's the plan as of right now. I, I, people literally were asking last night about how they could watch your movies outside of that context. So if if you're watching this video right now, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, give it about a year and you'll be able to see it uh, in some form or another. Well, and that that's what will make the screenings more valuable is that that's where you can go yes. see it for now. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Well, uh, last thing, uh, Jeremy, we'll start with you. Do you have uh, any social media you want to throw out there so the, the listeners can follow you? Check out the Pop Culture Nihilist on YouTube if you're interested in more kind of movie-related pop culture stuff. I'm growing a channel called Lucid Memory. So if I throw too much at you, you're going to forget all of it. Check out the Pop Culture Nihilist for movies or Lucid Memory for music. And uh, yeah, appreciate you having me, man. Chad, same question. Personal social media is the same as my website, One Chad Beyond. So if you want to check out some of the work I'm doing or just see what I've been up to, there's that. 
Um, I started releasing episodes of my old podcast, Movie Night Autopsy, again. I got nice. a couple in the bank that I'm starting to get out and going to start doing that again. Just sitting on a couch with friends talking about a movie and having a conversation that's twice as long as a damn movie. That's that's my type of podcast. <laughs> Just get lost and forget what you're talking about. Um, and, you know, if you ever want to go watch my old sketches, you know, Bithouse Comedy, look us up. I feel like now that, you know, this is the third time you've been on on my show, I, I owe you a, a guest appearance on yours. Yeah, we got to figure that out. Um, I just need to start scheduling. I have a big list of who wants to be on it and the movies they want to watch. The rule is, at least one person involved hasn't seen the movie. So it's a fresh conversation for at least one person. It's it's now just going to be like one-on-one me with one other person. I find the conversations easier to kind of edit that way and kind of direct it. So we can always try to find a loose format that works because <laughs> back in the day, we would just talk about the movie plot too much and not really get too much into the context. That's how we got longer episodes. And I thought people didn't like that till I started listening to Blank Check. And realize those guys go off on crazy tangents, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, yeah, we just got to figure out either make a suggestion of something I haven't seen, or or something you haven't seen. The thing is, is like trying to think of guests. Uh, I know I want to have Steve on, and I want him to talk about Spielberg because that's his like bread and butter. Do you know how hard it is to like try and figure out a Spielberg movie he hasn't seen? Uh, is the there answer one? is no. No, I was about to ask the same thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, I guess I think I think I have to be a Spielberg movie I haven't seen, which is on my like fifty fifty. If you really want to get into like the weeds of like, uh, always, yeah, or yeah. Uh, or uh, or um, I don't know, Empire. Of the, it'll probably Spies? be Empire. Of the, let's be honest. It's probably going to be Empire of the Sun. Oh no, I've seen Bridge Spies. I like Bridge Spies. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good dad movie. I just like to. Throw it <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, um, yeah. So we just figured it out. I'll, I'll have both of you on. Um, that'll be great, uh, and we'll just come, just come over. It's real chill. Just shoot at the house. Yeah, I'd love no. to, Derek. On behalf of both me and Chad, how many episodes would you say a guest has to do before they start getting royalties off your podcast? Jeez, <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't let me put you on the spot, but I think it's three. <laughs> uh, part of me wants to just troll Ch- Chad and say four, <laughs> but 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 we'll, but we'll say three. <laughs> Jeremy, how many times have you been on? Over the years, several. Over the last month, this would be my third, fourth. Well, Jer- Jeremy's got me beat by all that then. Because you, Jeremy, I think you've been on the show uh, besides the feature episodes that you may have. I know you've definitely been on once because I had you on as a solo guest. And I think maybe twice, but it might have been Nerd Cave related. Yeah. I think it was Nerd Cave related. And then you've been on my uh, YouTube channel mm-hmm. multiple times as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Check those out, folks. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, fun stuff. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to chat uh, for this uh, post-mortem of the feature premiere. Uh, thank you for all, for all your help with uh, making the night great. Yeah, man, most definitely. It was a pleasure. I'm excited to do it again. Thanks again to Jeremy and Chad for coming on the show to recap our premiere of the feature. As I said, really fun night. We'll definitely be doing more screenings of the feature uh, in the Pensacola area and maybe beyond. Uh, later on in the year. So stay tuned to social media for that. If you want to check out uh, the latest happenings of the feature, you can follow the movie at the feature movie on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
For next week's show, it's the return of the top five list, and I can't wait to do this one. Top five childhood cartoons. This is going to be a very hard list because I was a cartoon fanatic as a kid. I know a lot of people were, so we're going to do our best to narrow it down to five. There's definitely going to be some honorable mentions. But until then, just head over to linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast where you can find all the subscription information, where you can find the podcast, social media. Everything is at linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And don't forget, leave a review. The more reviews I get, the more visible I become to the podcasting public. It really does help. The more reviews that the show gets, if people are searching for podcasts, they're more likely to see this one if it has more positive feedback. So would very much appreciate that. But that's going to do it for this week's show. So enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll see you guys back here next week for another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Podcast.